He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you today. We will have PGA Tour member now, Austin Eckrote, on the show later in the show. But boys, we have to start with the Live Boston event yesterday. Dustin Johnson getting the job done with one of the most electric putts of the year, guys. But Let's go before the putt, and this is where we normally kind of recap what happened coming down the stretch of the golf tournament. T-Dub, I've never seen a golf tournament where on the last hole there were seven or eight possibilities. I mean, you had Lahiri hit it up there to five feet. You know, for Eagle, you had Joaquin Neiman, Dustin Johnson, Taylor Gooch, um, you know, Westwood, I mean, Westwood, vintage Westwood with the blue shorts and the long socks. We had all sorts of possibilities on that 18th hole. I've never seen anything like it, and we really haven't had a close tournament like that in live yet, and we got the full live experience yesterday with the shotgun start. I think that's exactly what they were envisioning uh, when they came up with the shotgun start, T-Dub. What were your kind of thoughts? And, and we'll kind of go through what we remember of it because there was, you know, a hundred parts to that last, you know, three-hole stretch. Well, I, I think that just to, just to start off with, I think that if you would have went to live whenever they were trying to get the tour started and they would have said, what is our ideal final round? And I think this is exactly how they would have drawn it up. I mean, you had a three-way playoff with three of the best players in the world, two of which just came over from the, from the FedEx Cup playoff. Yeah, the Westwood Cameron Smith there finished tied fourth. And we had a local guy, Taylor Gooch, finished 13th, only shot one under the final round, but was in position to have a really good day. So I, I think just my takeaway is Liv could not have drawn up what, what was going on this tournament any better, Woody. And not only did you have the individual contest, like Sam just alluded to, but you had the team contest, too. The four races only won by two shots, and them, them and the Crushers, they were coming down with the Majestic. Seemed like they had a, a pretty close race. So, the Ironheads Woody, choked, I mean, just, by the way. The, the Ironheads were up there as well. Yeah, they ended up finishing uh, fourth. Kevin Nall is their captain. They were kind of the dark horse of that run. So, I don't know, Woody. For me, it's just like, it, it, for me, Liv just had literally the best weekend for golf that they could have possibly had. It, it, it was great news for Liv. That was bad news for the PGA Tour, again, because there is no PGA Tour event to compete against it. Even if they wanted to say, oh, yeah, this the PGA Tour event was better this week. It wasn't going to be better than that. And just what Sam said, I was a little suspect of that shotgun start, guys. I didn't know what that was going to bring. But good Lord, that's what made it so much fun. It wasn't a normal golf tournament where they're all playing that same stretch of holes, you know, coming down. They're all over the place, and they're making birdies, and you're trying to figure out, okay, what holes he got coming up? Because he might have a better birdie hole than these guys got coming up. It was it was such fun to watch it. It, it was golf like we'd never seen, let alone the shorts. And, and Lee Westwood, that outfit he had on <laughs> – Typical European. Woody, little you did we know that the key to Lee Westwood winning majors, well, he did end up finishing, let's see, he finished tied for fourth. But, you know, I, the key to Lee Westwood playing good golf was the shorts, Woody. We never knew that. Oh, it had to be. Shot 62. It, it was all the shorts. Yeah, it was the shorts. He, he looked like a dork, I got to tell you, though. That, that's not an outfit that I would wear. But, but you know, uh, that's, again, we're talking about something we would have never talked about on the PGA Tour, his shorts. <laughs> yeah, you got to give him credit. I don't care what somebody says. You can like him or dislike Liv. I don't care. It was entertaining. And we need entertainment, gentlemen. A hundred percent. Guys, let's just go player by player here. Let's start off with Honor Bon Lahiri. Honor Bon Lahiri was kind of, he started the day at nine under par and shoots six under in the final round. He does make birdie on 18, but guys, he hit a three wood up there to about five feet. All he has to do is make the five footer and he wins $4 million. Honor Bon Lahiri has become a little bit of a bridesmaid. If you remember, he laid up to finish second in the 
Players' Championship against Cam Smith. Honor Bon Lahiri is the guy that has to be kicking himself out of all of these guys. I feel like there's a lot of guys that are kicking themselves today, but Honor Bon Lahiri has to be at the top of that list, T-Dub. Well, and, and we can even go back further on Honor Bon Lahiri. I was watching a replay of the, the 2015 President's Cup, which was on Golf Channel a few days ago, and Lahiri was in a position where it was coming down the stretch really close. And Lahiri actually missed about a, a two-and-a-half-footer on the last hole to, to have his match, which ended up being very, very crucial. That was the year that Bill Hawes won uh, for Jayhawks. was a pretty cool thing uh, for the Americans. But, I mean, just going back to yesterday, Sam, he birdies the two par threes or two and the three par threes on the back nine, birdies 13 and 17, even before he got to 18. And he comes in and he makes the eagle on, on the fifth hole, on, or I'm sorry, on the eighth hole, that par five. So he had a rolling for a while, and I kind of prognosticated a little bit on the radio show that I thought that maybe of the guys who weren't at the top that he would have been able to make a run. But Woody, it seemed like to me that even on even on the putt that he missed in 2015 and the putt he missed yesterday, he's just shoving the putter at the hole. He's not releasing the putter at all. He's just shoving it out there, and that's why every time he seems to miss a shot when it matters, it's a push. Think about this. I, I don't know. I've never putted a ball for $4 million. I'm not <laughs> sure my stroke could look real good either. I, I tell you guys that. I'm not defending him. He's a professional. He's supposed to have a better stroke than that. But uh, And then you got Joaquin Neiman. That, That's what that I was just about to tournament. ask you about, uh, yeah, about he, Woody. He, I mean, he, I mean Joaquin cow. Neiman, he, he shoots a four under in the final round with only one bogey on 14, has a clutch up and down on 18. What else can Joaquin Neiman do? The only mistake he really made all day was hitting it in that bunker about 50 yards short of the pin on 18 in the playoff hole. That's it. I mean, he played He played such a solid round of golf that last round. He's, he could have just as easily, and, and even in the playoffs, come on, that putt that Dustin Johnson hit was going mock. I mean, yes, it was. I still can't believe it hit that back of the hole, jumped that high and went in. I, I don't know. I've, I've seen a lot of putts go in in a lot of different ways. But that just had to kill the Harry and Joaquin while they're standing there watching this thing going motoring about 80 miles an hour and boat winter. I mean, it it was so fun to watch, wasn't it? it? It really was. Let's get to Dustin Johnson at the end because I want to get to Lee Westwood now. Lee Westwood goes out there and all of a sudden he's on 59 watch at one point, guys. Lee Westwood shoots eight under in the final round. The, the blue shorts, long socks Westwood is like the untucked Kyrie or the masked LeBron T-Dub. The shorts Westwood is a guy that we need to look out for apparently. Westwood's kind of starting to rejuvenize his career a little bit, ain't he? I mean, he's been playing pretty well even in the last uh, couple of events and definitely going into this one with a 62. But I think one thing that's interesting, Sam, you know, Woody kind of mentioned quite a bit earlier about the shotgun start. Well, well, Cam and uh, Cam and Lee Westwood, they started on holes two or three, I believe, somewhere in there. And, um, and so that means that towards the end, they have to play the first hole. Well, what do Lee and Cam both do on number one, which is playing extremely tough? They both bogey it. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see how that played out where – they were both at 15 under at although, one point in time, and you feel. Although, T-Dub, I, I was just going to say that, I mean, Lee Westwood put it in position A1 down there and just laid the sod over one of the wedges. It was the proverbial bridesmaid move by Lee Westwood. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was that was where it kind of came unraveling for him. But at the same time, it's just interesting to see how, how that dynamic of that shotgun start played out. Because no, you're I right. Remember yeah. that, was, that, that was something that I was interested with because it's like man i don't want to see guys winning tournaments on like the second and third hole like that's going to seem uh kind of weird but it is interesting to see because what's what's been intriguing is that these first couple of courses on the live the first the first couple of holes have been really tough and and it's been ended on four or fives like it did at bedminster and here so i think that's just something that's kind of started to play out that then really looked into is where someone starts going on sunday means a lot more than i was getting credit for before the uh, before the lift started thing yeah, and Woody, let's talk about that for a second because it, it can be good for a guy chasing because they can get those birdies up on the leaderboard and maybe put some pressure on the leaders, even though the leaders have the birdie holes yet to come. But, you know, I, I thought it was very entertaining. And what do you think as far as the entertainment standpoint? I wouldn't have had a problem if someone won the golf tournament on number two, like a Lee Westwood or something like that, because we're seeing all of the shots and, and – Lee Westwood played such good golf that at one point I thought he deserved to win the golf tournament. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have you know been a problem for me. I agree, and and what's so much fun about this 
is it's it's live and it's they they keep you they do a great job of keeping track of those guys on like one and two and dusting those guys coming down that stretch. That, that, everybody knows what they got to do. They got to make birdies. But when you're playing all of these different holes, that was the most exciting part about it because you like C Dub says that one and two were playing pretty tough. The the 18th was not. So the guy coming down that, he's thinking, well, I make an eagle. I could pass a lot of people. Where birdie in one and two was really difficult. So, I mean, kudos to Johnson. He finally got one. And and it, But the golf tournament itself was hard to walk away from. I was trying to watch a little football, and then I said, what am I watching football for? This is stupid. This is too good. Uh, so I just turned it on the live. A hundred percent. And let's talk about Cam Smith, who did make the bogey on number one, hits it right. You know, the driver finally caught up with him, guys. It seems like it happens, you know, late in rounds sometimes when he's really in contention for golf tournaments and he hits the driver, you know, where he has to pitch out uh, from the right side on one, guys. And, And Cam Smith, who played pretty much flawless golf, even in the final round until that hole shoots a seven under in the final round. Cam Smith comes up short, ends up tied for fourth at 14 under T-Dub. Cam Smith was one of those guys, along with Lahiri and Westwood and Neiman, that got to be kicking themselves. Absolutely agree. It was was promising for me to see. It didn't look like he had any sort of hip ailment or anything like that. So it looks like any worries of that have gone by the wayside, at least from what I've seen. But it was interesting to see just how how good his putter still is. I mean, it doesn't matter what three plays on. He's going to make absolutely everything. But the stand's exactly right on – and I saw the same thing at Southern Hills where it's just he'll hit so many good shots and good drives, but he's going to have that one or two where it's just it's not even just a little bit off. It's going to be off the planet. And this course is not set up for shots like that. I mean, we saw an 87 shot. I mean, it's just if you get a little bit out of position, even though these guys were going low, you could very easily make bogeys and doubles and, excuse me, even triples are just going to start adding up. And that's what exactly what happened to Cam Smith on one. It's, it's, it's hard to go even going from the PJ Tour, going from 72 holes not to make a mistake. Even shortening that down to 54 holes will come back and bite you. And Woody, obviously, this past year, Cam Smith was near the top in the left miss on the PGA Tour. But, I mean, go back to Memphis. He misses right with the driver. Today or yesterday, he misses right with the driver when he's under pressure. Do you think he's hitting a little anti-left shot under pressure, Woody? Oh, I, I believe that full-heartedly. You know, I think, well, and of course, at Memphis, he's protecting because of that left is water. Um, I think. By the way, talking about Memphis two, year, two times ago, Memphis two times ago, obviously, you know, this year was different. Right. Right, but I mean, he does tend to flare it right. It seems like because he's so afraid of hitting a hook. I think his driver is near as good as it can be. I think I bet you because he, you know, he works so much on speed to try to get some distance, and that's great. I mean, getting distance is fine, but you, boy, you gotta be able to keep the ball in play. You gotta drive it like Dustin Johnson does. That's what you need to drive it like. And I'm not sure Cam has that ability uh, I think at some point he might just say on certain holes I'm not gonna worry about my distance as much as I got to keep this ball in play guys let's talk about our guy TG who was on the top of the leaderboard in the final round he shoots one under now he played better than that and T-Dub, I'll start with you. I want to get your thoughts on what I heard on the broadcast. I love Faraday and the guys on the broadcast, but I disagreed with them in the fact that they were criticizing Taylor Gooch for his conservative approach in the final round. I thought his conservative approach was pretty good, but he just couldn't get those 15-footers and in to drop in the final round. And then obviously he has the three-putt at the end where he really probably should have finished you know, at least tied for four. Um, but he was just giving that last putt a run and ends up finishing six, solo six at 13 under. Um, T-Dub, it just looked to me like Taylor Gooch couldn't get the putts to fall when he needed them, right? Yeah, I, I didn't see much conservative play. Not seeing a whole, that was a whole lot different than the first two rounds, for sure. So Exactly. He uh, stuck I, I to his game plan, yeah. Yeah, and it's just the thing The thing I noticed was just exactly what, what you were saying, Tim. It's just that the putts weren't falling, and and, and you mentioned 50 feet. He even had a couple I've seen in the, in the seven, eight-foot range that weren't able to get in. And, and those are those are putts that you have to make when you're going against the, these great players, Justin Johnson, Joaquin Neiman, Cam Smith. 
all up there at the top of the leaderboard. I mean, those are you're going to have to do everything right to be able to beat those guys. And unfortunately, PG just wasn't able to make those couple of putts. But at the end of the day, he only lost by two shots, and he just keeps putting himself in position as yet to finish outside of the top ten in a live event. So he's got to be a guy that you look forward to in these next three or four events and potentially end up winning the $4 million like Dustin Johnson did. And, and Sam, before we feel too sorry for him, uh, my by my calculations yesterday, he made almost $1.6 million because the four aces just banked him another seven fifty. I mean, that's almost like cheating. Those guys, they that's win right. every week, it seems like. And total, I'm betting he's over $5 million for these live events. Dustin Johnson's made almost $10 million. Yeah, you're 100% right, Woody. And yesterday on the radio show, I said that I want to see TG to come out calm, cool, and collected in that final round, Woody. And I felt like he did. He just couldn't get the putts to fall. Talk a little bit about being in contention to win a golf tournament and those putts just don't fall even when you're playing good. It's what's hard is when they're not going in, you, you put a little more pressure to hit the ball closer to the hole sometimes or you put more pressure on that 15 or 20 footer. You want so badly to see something go in, but we've all played golf our whole lives. And you know, there's just days they don't go in and, and T-Dub said it best. He has been solid. Every one of these golf tournaments, everyone he's been right there. And let's not kid ourselves. Taylor's only won one golf tournament on the PGA tour. One tournament. So it's not like he is a proven winner time and time again. He can be. There is no doubt in my mind he can be. So with each one of these weeks that he is close, he's got to be learning something about his game. He's got to be learning, I'm doing something that I need to get better at. I know he's smart enough to do that. I still believe Taylor will win one of these before the end of the year. I really do believe that. I totally believe that, too, and he definitely didn't embarrass himself. We were talking on the radio show yesterday about this really being the first time on Taylor Gooch being on top of the leaderboard with guys like Dustin Johnson, Neiman, Westwood, Cam Smith, um, you know, all chasing him, and, and I felt like he did all the right things, Woody. The putts just didn't fall. Let's talk about Dustin Johnson finally, guys, and I want to take you back to the second shot on 18 in regulation all he has to do is put that ball up somewhere next to the green, and he wins the golf tournament probably. And, guys, he hits it in the left trees, has to lay back, punches it out. You know, he had like a plant behind his ball, had to go like away from the hole, punches it out, trying to get in the fairway, and he gets in the rough next to the fairway bunker. And, guys, just one of the most clutch up and downs I've ever seen along with Neiman after Neiman hit his up there, you know, to tap in range. Uh Dustin Johnson hits his, you know, little pitch shot up there, stone dead as well, T-Dub. That was where I really thought that Dustin Johnson would win the playoff just because he was so calm, cool, and collected under pressure when he had to get that pitch shot up and down from the rough. Yeah, everyone's going to talk about the eagle that he made in the playoff, but I completely agree. I think that the, the last one regulation is, is what I'm going to probably remember most from, from this because, he looked like he was in an absolute horrible position after his second shot. It looked like he was going to have to take an unplayable and then have to get up and down from way over there, which would have been a lot harder than, than where he had to get up and down from. So it was, I think that third shot, just being able to hit that punch shot out where he did, it, it's probably what ended up winning the tournament. I know obviously he still had to get up and down from that spot, but I mean, Woody, he was in a position where you could easily have made bogey or double from there and shot yourself right out of the tournament. And Woody, oh, real I, quick, I, I just I want to ask you, you know, his brother, his caddy, was trying to maybe get him to go towards the hole, and DJ told him, he said, this plant is behind the ball. It's not going to go anywhere. I just got to go backwards and, and kind of took the more conservative play than even his brother, his caddy, wanted him to do. I thought that showed great maturity, obviously. Well, he's a proven veteran. He, he, when we talk about Dustin Johnson, now you talk about a multi-winner and major winner, he he has got so much game. I guess as I've watched all this unfold in these four weeks we've gotten to see this tour, I think the one guy that I'm a little disappointed so far is Kepka. Kepka's yep. done, done nothing. He has done nothing like I thought he might. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's a guy that I would say to you took the money and run, he's starting to look like that guy more and more. To yeah, me, I'm not sure what he's doing. 
yeah, he, I know he got married, and I, I know he's had some stuff in his life, but he just doesn't seem like he's into it yet to me. He just, I agree. He's going out there, he's playing his 54 holes, he's banking a check, and then he's moving on down the road. So I really do hope that he has a little better, uh, you know, maybe a burr up his butt, and he wants to play a little bit better these last few. I really would like to see him contend for one of these before it's all said and done. But DJ, He's proven he knows how to do it, whether it's for $4 million or $5. It doesn't matter. He's going to be there every week. T-Dub, I was watching that final round with my dad, who it was the Hump Man's birthday yesterday. Happy 70th birthday to the Hump Man. Happy birthday. But, yes. but on 18 in the playoff, when Dustin Johnson was over down low right, you know, to the top left tier, I said that's the exact putt that Taylor Gooch just ran by uh, when you know Taylor had a chance to tie and get in the playoff. I kind of called it, but I didn't call the fact that it's just going to slam the back of the hole, guys, and drop in the hole. T-Dub, he, I did think he caught a little bit of a break that he saw Honorbond's chip and Neiman's putt. However, he just rams it right in the hole, and we get the moment of the year, especially for Liv. Maybe, you know, I'll ask you guys a question in a second, but I thought it was the most entertaining moment of the entire year. Well, it's interesting that, you know, you mentioned that slope. And where the ball was, and TG running by it, so the ball just must have must have released a little bit more once it got over that hill than even those players saw. Because Dustin Johnson, you would hit it probably further by than even TG did. So I mean, it's very something down there. But to your to your point, Sam, earlier or what you just said about being the most entertaining event of the year, uh, with the exception of the majors, I'm looking back on it, and I'm probably gonna have to agree with you. I mean, we've got we've got certain tournaments. We go we can go all the way back to the start of the year, Kapalua. With, with Cam Smith and John Rom coming down the stretch, you had a couple of playoffs in there. You had Scheffler and Cantlay at the Waste Management. You had uh, Cantlay and Speed at Harbortown. But just and and then the RBC Canadian Open, Rory and JT, that would probably be number one on that list. But I don't know, Sam. I, I think your statement definitely isn't isn't that bold of a thing to say. Woody, give me some final thoughts on Dustin Johnson. We talked about his putting. You know, it, it, yesterday on the radio show, it looked so much better. In round two, he actually led the field with only 22 putts. Let's get to the, the non-major most entertaining factor after this last, you know, little comment here on Dustin Johnson because I know you saw some things from Dustin Johnson that you didn't see early in the year uh, from Dustin. I think, he's, I think he is also a guy that is getting very comfortable with this field. Uh, I don't think there's any of those super pros that left the PGA Tour that didn't. Uh, I don't care what they say. It, it, it's hard to leave something like that, and especially with all the bad press they were getting for doing it. So he looks like he's gotten to be very comfortable. Dustin Johnson, though, Dillman, he is one of the scariest golfers that you would ever want to compete against. The, the athletic ability, the talent, everything is so great that if he does happen to roll his rock, I'm not sure he's beatable. He's always been that way. If you look back to his career, when he's on, I don't know that he's beatable. I totally agree, and it's when he learned to hit his wedges, and then it's just a matter of whether he makes the putts that week or not. Right, T-Dub? 100%. I mean, it's been documented how much ever, how much he switches putters, and once he finally finds one that he can use, he's just going to he's just gonna roll with it. But, yeah, the, the 50 to 125-yard shot is definitely what it's. Uh, made Dustin Johnson's uh, career the way it is. And, and just like Woody said, he's just gotten so comfortable in these live events. One yesterday finished second, third, and eighth in the in the other three. So I don't think there's in for Dustin Johnson's coming through and the bank account is just going to keep growing higher and higher every day. 100% guys, and the payouts for this Live Boston event are $4 million individually uh, for Dustin Johnson, Joaquin Neiman at 1.8, Honor Bon Lahiri, as well at 1.8, and then Cam Smith and Lee Westwood at just over a million dollars. And and like uh, what he alluded to earlier, Taylor Gooch uh, individually pockets $800,000, guys. Dustin Johnson, I know that he got a huge guarantee, um, but he's just going to continue to bank more and more money on the golf course. Uh, and I just think it's ridiculous if anybody thinks that it's an exhibition because look at the names he beat. Neiman, Lahiri, Smith, Westwood, who played amazing. It's not washed up Westwood. It was blue shorts, long socks, Westwood, uh, and then Taylor Gooch as well. Guys, let's talk about what T-Dub was just talking about. I thought it was the most entertaining non-major of the year. 
year, and I got a lot of hate on that from Twitter, but I did also, about it was about 50-50, even Hank Haney retweeted the tweet, I can't think other than maybe the Canadian Open, if you want to go that way, I, I'll give you that. But it, it was at least top three most entertaining non-majors of the year. We didn't have anything like what we saw yesterday, obviously, because we've never seen that in the history of golf, T-Dub. No, I mean, it was absolutely electric. And, yeah, I mean, if I, if I go back and I look on the tour events, I, I think one thing that made the RBC Canadian Open the way it was was that that was the week that we had the first live event. So right. I, I think that that added, that added a lot of drama to what that event. So, I mean, if we're going to say it, that it's going to be the RBC Canadian Open, I think that we need to give a little bit of credit to Liv because that's pretty much what made it. I mean, Rory right. McIlroy gets interviewed on the 18th green and, and gives credit to, to Greg Norman for giving him motivation. So I think that's something there. But, I mean, just scrolling through here, I mean, like I said, maybe the Players' Championship, but I'm remembering the Players' Championship for the, the horrible rule that because that, uh, Paul Casey's ball ended up in an embedded pitch mark. He yes. wasn't able to hit it out. That's what I'm remembering that tournament for. I mean, Joaquin Neiman kind of coasted at the Genesis. Uh, so that was something. Bay Hill was fairly interesting, but Scheffler just kind of ended up uh, running away with it. You could go T-Dub with Colonial with Sam Burns and Scheffler battling it out. That was probably one of them. I, I agree. That, that was another good one. As well with with Burns and making that long putt on Scheffler, but 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 once again, Sam, I don't think that the Colonial was as entertaining as yesterday was for sure. No, so, I don't think so that, either. That, I don't even think Colonial was as entertaining as when Brandon Grace chipped in in the sec, in the second live event, right? So it, it's just to your point of, of people coming out and hating you on that. If you actually watched the tournament yesterday, I don't think you don't understand how thrilling and exciting it was because. Yes, it's a smaller field of 48 players, but, but the church championship had 30 players last week, and it's, it's about who comes to the top and ends up making a good tournament. You had some of the best names, uh, not only just in golf and currently, but in the, the history of what people are going to remember. Dustin Johnson's a Hall of Famer. Lee Westwood is a Hall of Famer. Cam Smith's going to be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. So, I mean, it's just, it was not even just the, the what golf was being played, but it was who was hitting the shot, Sam. And uh, that's why I think that your point is, is definitely very valid. And, and Woody, I mean, to me, you've watched more golf than probably all of our listeners combined. I mean, what did you think of yesterday? It was, it was just what you said. I was, I was optimistic going into that yesterday. I really was. I thought it was going to be fun. I didn't think it'd be that much fun to watch. I really didn't. And I think what we just talked about, we can say 48 guys is not a lot of guys. But even if there's 125 in an event, we all know there's about 50 of them that are really, really good that you want to watch. Well, this tour now has about 35 or 40 out of the 48. They're household names that are entertaining to watch. And just like T-Dub said, these are Hall of Famers. These are guys that if they, well, they might try to find a way to ban them. Who knows? But right now, Day in, day out, if you told me in two weeks, wherever the PGA Tour is playing, I think it's in Napa, am I going to watch it or am I going to watch that? I'm going to watch that every time. A hundred percent. I mean, and by the way, for people that say there's only 48 guys in the golf tournament, 38 guys shot under par for this golf tournament. And so what I'm saying is this live event, it's not just an exhibition. It's name brand guys playing big time golf. And I don't understand all the hate that's coming from it. It's clearly coming from people that don't watch the product, T-Dub. No, if you watch the golf, you would say, man, this stuff's pretty good. And it's like we've mentioned this before, the golf courses are playing are extremely good, too. And we're going to have even more good golf courses coming up. We're going to start going to a little bit more of the international side of it. We're going to be playing in Bangkok and, and Saudi Arabia. So that would be interesting to see how those courses are. But then you got Chicago this week and then Trump, uh, where, uh, Trump Doral, where, where Woody just played a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, it's, you add on with, with the great golfers and the great golf courses, it's an absolutely awesome product, Woody. Oh, I, that's what's even been better about this. Those golf courses are not bad golf courses they're playing. No, those are entertaining gym, golf by the way. I, I love this I mean, course, the international. I did, too. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a heck of a golf course. And I, going overseas now to Thailand and to Saudi, uh, I think that's cool, too. I like it that they're going to not necessarily play every week in the United States. I like that they're going other places. And, and Cam Smith will tell you that was one of the reasons he went 
is he believes they're going to go to Australia a couple of times as this tour grows. And as that happens, we're going to lose a few more of those guys that we don't know. Really, they're not going to be household names. Because if I'm a PGA Tour player looking at this, and I'm looking at the money these gentlemen are making, boy, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to look real hard. I might want to say, okay, I need a Christmas present. And I know what it's going to be. Greg Norman, please call me. 100% guys and my other thing that I want to get to is it's going to be a long off season for the PGA Tour now I want to you know preface this obviously I agreed with some of the changes that the PGA Tour is making but they're making those because of live and it's going to be a long off season because every single time that the PGA Tour has a good week live has a better week and and live by the way the four aces the stinger and the majestics are all going to get a first round bye in that match play event at Trump National guys that match play event between the four man teams is going to be absolutely electric and it's going to be the only thing going on right then. The PGA Tour cannot compete with Liv, especially during the fall. Well, and, and so, yeah, the PGA Tour is going to have it's like you fall events here or there, but I don't see how they're going to be able to compete with, with the fields that Liv's putting out. I mean, just the list of quality of players. So all of a sudden you go to some of these, like we have, the, uh, we have Napa that starts, I believe, this week or a couple weeks, and then like Sanderson Farms will be in there and, and stuff like that. You have the Zozo. So, I mean, it'll be fairly decent tournaments, but no, they're not going to be anywhere close to, to the field that the list putting out, unless you get some deal where, where Rory, JT, and all these other guys play, which I would absolutely love to see. I hope happens because BJ Turner's going to have to do something, Sam, because we've got four more live events all the last week. is basically Halloween weekend. Um, October 30th will be the last round. So, and, but you've got three more events before that. So, I mean, the PJ Tour's got a lot to battle with over this next few stretches. It's going to be interesting to see kind of perception of maybe not the media, because I think we know where that, that lays out, but the perception of just even more people, because it seems like every live event, there's more and more and more people who are, who are praising it and liking what they're seeing. And by the time we get done with Miami, Sam, I mean, it, it might be full blown to where, you know, 80% of people now all of a sudden support them because they're finally starting to watch it. And Woody, I mean, out of the hundreds and hundreds of people, I picked out one guy that just really pissed me off on Twitter yesterday that that had this, uh, you know, to say about yesterday's event. It said He said, too bad no one of the live guys will be in the majors next year. And I, and I tweeted back at him. It just, I, I literally said, so you're going to keep the reigning open champion out of the majors. LOL quote-unquote, grow the game, Woody. And to me, Liv is growing the game by the day. Every single thing that they do is to grow the game of golf. It is growing the game of golf. And the traditionalists don't like it, and they use the politics as an excuse to me. Well, I think I think it was the movie uh, Forrest Gump said it best. Stupid is the stupid does. And if, if you're that blinded, Okay, if you've got blinders on that bad that you can't see the entertainment value, Sam, the Bible will tell you you never argue with a fool. Okay, so don't do that again. Okay, <laughs> don't 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 waste your time arguing with a fool. Fool. But one thing you guys do know, Greg Norman now is going to be two for two, meaning he was the one that was the first to come up with the World Golf Championship, and Tim Fincham shot him down and blackballed him, and then lo and behold, what the tour end up with, world championships. Yep. Greg Norman came with this live idea. Now, maybe it wasn't all his, but he was the one pushing it, and so was Phil Mickelson. Did you and see the hat that Greg Norman Jr. had on yesterday? I did not see that. I must have missed that. His hat um, said, it'll never work. Uh, well, okay, and, 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 it, and it's going to work. It's already showing it's going to work. So what I'm saying is Greg Norman's going to be two for two. Now, I don't know if they'll find a way to blackball him out of this like they did the World Golf Championships, but what we're seeing here will mold into some point where there is going to be a tour, whether it's sanctioned by the PGA or not, there will be a tour where we're going to have this kind of entertainment. And we should. That's the point, guys. Why should we not get this? Tell me why we shouldn't have this. And T-Dub, to me – 
a lot of people think I'm some PGA Tour hater. I'm not. I'm really, truly not. We're about to have Austin Eckrow, who I'm thrilled, who is on the PGA Tour. It just bothers me when people, number one, don't watch the live product, and number two, drag my friends' names through the mud that are on the live tour, T-Dub. It, to me, it's unbiased journalism on our side that we do give the live the coverage that it deserves and we don't hear that anywhere else we actually hear the opposite of it it's crickets from the blue check marks on twitter and it's crickets unless you see a commercial on the golf channel saying call the international and tell them you know that we have never forgotten 9-11 what does that have to do with taylor gooch playing golf oh it's just it's the hypocrisy of everything that, that the live haters We'll throw out there, they'll throw out things like, oh, well, the guaranteed money is going to ruin the product, and you can just debunk that in about two questions. And all these other, the small field thing, there's no world ranking for it, the major will throw them out. Any debate that you have, you can come back with some counter argument uh, for, for the reasons why they think that way. And it just seems like to me, a lot of the live haters just aren't open to even listening to the other side of it. It's the closed mindedness of it. And that, that's what's upset me throughout all this. That's has the been thing. Everyone that's- just saying, you're 100% right. That's the thing, T-Dub. That, that's the thing is that Liv wants to work with the PGA Tour. They are open to a merger. The PGA Tour is the people banning these top players. And, and everyone's saying that, that the PGA Tour is by far the best tour and, and how they're so great. Well, we have a former PGA Tour pro as a host on this podcast, and I think he understands how the PGA Tour has been sort of manipulating the system for how many ever these years. So we're just going off the things that we had heard also, not just from one, even from other tour players. So it's it's like, are all these players just crying to cry about it? It's like, no, there are literal problems wrong with the BJ Tour that need to be fixed. And it takes competition for them to change this. And that's exactly what's happening. And, and a lot of people, Sam, I think, that don't like to live are just the traditionalists who just love being able to watch the BJ Tour Thursday through Sunday and not have any other thing to worry about. Don't like change. I think that's really the whole thing about it is that it, it, to me, it's positive change. And all the negatives are coming from the PJ Tour trying to blacklist the list. One thing we know for sure, gentlemen, is we were told we had a constitutional right for freedom of speech. But that's only if you don't work for the Golf Channel. <laughs> you don't have freedom of speech if you're on the Golf Channel. And I would love to be a mouse in a room. I would love to see how many of these guys that work for the PGA Tour or work for the Golf Channel then aren't watching live. Now, they probably are hiding in a cellar somewhere to do it, okay? And they're darn sure not going to tell you they watched it. But how many of you think are out there actually watching this? You know they are. There's some of them watching it. Just watch Golf Central tonight. We just had the tournament of the year, and they're not even going to talk about it. No, no, gosh, no. Why would they? They, they, If they talk about it, Sam, they're giving it credibility. And their bottom they, dollar their, is affected because it, their bottom exactly. dollar depends on the success of the PGA Tour. Yep, yep, there you go. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I just feel like you should be able to speak your mind without being fired for it. <laughs> I just don't like that you can't talk about something that is exciting, as we saw yesterday, for fear that you might get your, your you're going to get fired from the company you work for. Guys, that was a great live segment there. Any final thoughts, T Dub? Hey, it's just I alluded to it when we first start talking about it. I'll just say it. Yesterday was the perfect scenario for Lip. It, it's absolutely perfect scenario. And, and, and it worked out 100%, and it's going to keep showing. Hopefully people can get past the charade that the media keeps throwing out there and says, hey, this is really good golf, and this the Lib Golf and the PJ Tour can coexist. And yesterday was the 100% example of why that is true. And us being unbiased, we have our man, Austin Eckroat, formerly of Edmond North and Oklahoma State, on the podcast right after this break. Guys, I was watching both the Corn Ferry Tour Championship and Live yesterday, and I absolutely loved it. These tours can coexist. We're going to keep preaching that throughout this long offseason, probably the longest quote-unquote offseason in the history of golf we'll be right back on the 73rd hole podcast the official podcast of golf oklahoma when something the size of a golf ball hits your roof you need to call mccray roofing mccray roofing is oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist for years jeff mccray and the experienced team at mccray roofing and exteriors have served fellow oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs 
McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. And we are back on the other side of the break here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And like I promised before the break, that we would be joined by Edmund North legend, Oklahoma State legend, and now PGA Tour member Austin Eckroat. And Austin, what a week it was for you. And I heard one of the greatest quotes ever from you earlier in the week, Austin. And you said, it kind of seemed like I was walking my way back to Q School. The opportunity I have now, I didn't think it was possible 15 weeks ago. And what did you do? You go out and finish second in the last Corn Ferry Tour Finals event and you get your PGA Tour card. What are you feeling and, and has it even hit you yet? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a really, really crazy year so far. I mean, uh, like you said, I mean, I was, you know, two weeks ago, the uh, you know, play Monday qualifiers wasn't, I didn't really have a place to play. And, um, you know, just in the position I am now, it's, it's crazy. It didn't feel like it was possible. Austin, take us through the dynamics of yesterday. I was saying it's a fairly interesting conundrum because not only are you playing a tournament that you were in yesterday, but you're playing for meager stats essentially for the whole next year. So how do you go from trying to have the mindset of getting to where you have a job for next year, but also at the same time still trying to win and contend for the tournament? Yeah, yeah. yesterday was a really, really weird um, round. I mean, kind of, you know, I knew I had a chance to win, you know, especially coming down the closing stretch. You know, the, the finishing stretch is very difficult. Um, there's a, you know, big number waiting on all of them. And, you know, I was in a position where I didn't know if I should, you know, an opportunity. But, you know, I was really kind of doing damage control, making sure that, you know, I maintained my position. It was a really, you know, you don't really have that in any other round of golf. You know, if you have a chance to win, you're, you're trying to win, where I wasn't as much necessarily yesterday. Austin, uh, Jim Woodward, have you had a chance looking at where you finished and what you got coming up? Where are you planning on playing no, and keeping not really. in these fall events? You know, I think, I, I think I'm pretty good on all the events. From what I was talking to of guys that have gone through this, um, I think I'm sixth on priority from the Corn Fair Tour guys. Um, I think I'm in the most of the fall events. I don't know if there's one that I won't get into. So, that's huge. You know, I'll be able to build a schedule. And I feel like this year on the Corn Ferry Tour, I had weeks where I was really tired. You know, I played so many in a row. You know, and I'll, you know, those weeks I struggled. And I think I'll, I'll be able to plan a schedule, stay in, you know, energized, able to play, you know, at the top of my game. We were talking about yesterday on the radio show how, you know, early in the year you had some finishes mostly around, you know, 20th, 25th place early in the year. And then you had the great tournament at the Memorial Health Championship where you finished second and then you finished eighth uh, the time you played after that at the Price Cutter Charity Championship. And then you finished second at the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. Did something change? Maybe was it, you know, kind of your experience of just being out there? Did something change technically throughout the year? You know, I think it was kind of, um, you know, a, I want to say a mental adjustment or, or what, you know, the early in the year, that was really the goal was just to get status, you know, was get, um, get to where I was in the, the events. And that's really, you know, those top 25 is what I needed. You know, it's kind of like, I just barely did what I needed all year. You know, I did that. And then once I had my status, then it was like, all right, let's try to get in the top 25. You know, I think there was a mental adjustment. I was trying to win. I was trying to get uh, you know, high enough up on the points to, you know, get a car. And, uh, you know, in Illinois, I secured basically my corn fairy tour card for the next year. So then there was a comfort level there. And then to where the focus was trying to get a PGA tour card. So I think 
you know, there wasn't really any uh, mechanic changes or anything. I think it was just kind of, you know, I know I knew what I needed to do, and I just barely did it on all of them. You know, I just I uh, I got those top twenty fives just barely, and then you know I got the inside the top twenty five by a little bit, and then you know I got my PJ Tour card at the very end of the season, the last one. So. Austin, you kind of alluded to it earlier with the talking about the final few holes at Victoria National, how hard they are. That, that's yeah. from everything I've seen, just an absolutely beautiful golf course. What was it about Victoria National that suited your game so well? You know, it's a, it's a really narrow golf course. Um, you, there's a, like I said, there's a, a big number waiting on pretty much every hole. You know, if you miss the fairways, it's a lost ball. It's a lot like Carson Creek or the Blessings in Arkansas. It's the same designer as well. And, um, you know, I just kept the ball in play, and I think that's something I've always done pretty well is hit the driver straight, and that's a huge – I mean, being in the fairway out there was a huge advantage, and I just did that well all week. And I actually probably had, you know, one of my best fighting weeks of my career that last week. Austin, here, here, I'll give you one little tip from an old broken-down golf pro, okay? Oh, yeah. All right. You got, you got the skill. You got Thank the game. You. Don't go out there and – Put any panic buttons or anything else, son. You get up and just put your tee in the ground and go play the way you can play, and the rest of it will come. You're going to yes, have sir. good weeks and you're going to have bad weeks. And then if sure. you have a bad week, don't start questioning anything. You got game, son. You just get Thank your you. butt out there and you play like Austin can, and you will have enough weeks that you will be a full fledged member of 125 or better next year. The only thing I got to worry you. about you. You know who's going to come calling for you, don't you, son? Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm aware that that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Get ready, because let me tell you something. Yeah, they're like a buzzard on a tree, and if you think oh, yeah. they aren't looking at Austin Eckroat, you are really wrong. So yeah. you better get ready. That's all I can tell you. Uh, Eckroat, by the way, so obviously there's been many great players from Edmond North. Uh, you know, I think by my calculations, you're the third to you know be on the PGA Tour next to Robert Streb um, and Kevin. Way, what does it mean to be, you know, with those guys as as one of those guys that actually made it to the PGA Tour from all those great teams? Yeah, it's really cool. You know, I mean, it's something that, you know, I think, you know, me and you can agree that it's kind of like a brotherhood, you know, playing on Evan North. Um, you know, it's just a great, great program. Something that you know all the guys can share together, especially with those two guys being on the PGA Tour with me. It's, you know, I'm sure there'll be conversations about it, and that. There might not be anybody happier than Coach Doherty right now. So um, <laughs> it's just a, a, re- a really cool thing that, you know, we can, you know, share together and it's cool to have as a, you know, you know, brotherhood in a way. Yeah, Austin, along those same lines, a lot of our listeners are, are college golfers or even high school players yeah. even going to Edmond North. So you've been a pro for, for about a year now. You were um, top five in the initial PGHRU rankings. What? What's yeah. one or two things that if you could go tell these younger kids ever since you turned pro, what's something to unexpect or what are what are the changes that go from being an elite college player to now being a professional? You know, I really I really feel like it's and what I've tried to do is it's just the same golf game. You know, it's just it's just golf. Um you know, there are different things involved, you know, you're financially trying to live and you're also paying for things on your own and you know, there's just some added stressors, but at the end of the day it's just golf. You know, you're just you're doing the same thing you've always done. Um, and I really try to stick to that, and I'm going to try to stick to that, you know, starting next week in, uh, in Napa. You know, it's just it's the same game, you know, college, high school. You're just trying to play good golf. That's all it is. Have you got your $500,000 check yet? Uh, I haven't checked, but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for I it. I you are. <laughs> <laughs> Austin, speaking of the PGA Tour U and college golf, um, you know, you finished in the top five of PGA Tour U, but you decided to take your sponsors' exemptions and play in some PGA Tour events. Um, if, yep. if you could go back, would you have played on the Corn Ferry during those weeks or, or not? And, and what changes might you make to the, you know, PGA Tour U? And do you think it was a help or a hindrance? No, I think it was a huge help. I mean, last year when I came up the year, Corn Ferry Tour season really didn't make much sense for me to play. I finished 7th and 13th in my first two Corn Ferry Tour events as a pro. And if I would have won the next week, I still wouldn't have been inside the top 25 to retain my card. 
So it really didn't make much sense to play the Corn Ferry Tour because it was easier to get to the Corn Ferry Tour finals through the PGA Tour. Right. But as guys coming out this year, like Pearson is a good example. He came out, you know, played well. On a one-year schedule, eight events is still a lot of events in a 23-event year. You know, I mean, you can, you can do right. some damage in that time. But where I was doing it in a 46-event year um, wasn't really a good – I would have I done it the exact same way I did it. You know, I might not have played earlier this season that I, I skipped three Corn Ferry Tour events for when I had status, and then I lost it because of that. Um, but at the end of the day, it all worked out. So I think, you know, looking back, I'm glad I have that PJ Tour experience. I'm, you know, I know a bunch of the guys out there. I know the rules officials. You know, I'll be comfortable whenever I see it up next week. Um, so I, I'm really happy with the decisions I've made and, you know, where I've played when I have. Yeah, also speaking on that comfortability factor, how do you – because you played in some tournaments like you just mentioned to. Yeah. How do you think – and it's going to be kind of hard to prognosticate this because you haven't done it yet, but how do you think the PGA Tour events will start to feel now because you played in the past before and you weren't a member yeah. and you were trying to just get your status, but now you officially made it, you're there, and you're really just playing for your next few years of your life. So how do you think that dynamic will be different? Yeah, I think, you know, I'll feel like I deserve to be out there. I think that's a little – I think that helps. You know, when you're on a sponsor exemption, you kind of, you know – feel like you're kind of lucky to be out there um you know and try not to step on anybody's toes and stay all the you know big guys away you know now I'm, i feel like i deserve to be out there and you know i'm one of the guys but you know i'll have a little bit more of a comfort level but like i said i'm, I'm glad i did play those events because i have the experience out there and um so and i think it, this is the big thing will be you know i i feel like i i'm actually a player out there not just you know some kid who's trying to figure out what the hell he's doing Okay, here's a good question for you. Who's going to caddy for you? Oh, so Phil Stonecoven, you know, he's, he's been on the bag since my, I played in uh, PJ Turvin as a college player in Mayakoba. Um, he's my best friend from high school. So it's, it's been a great dynamic, me and him. And, um, it's nice having a comfort level out there with a, a friend on the bag, and he takes it really seriously. So I think that's going to be a long, uh, long team. A hundred percent. And and Austin, I've told a lot of people this. I, I've had this question before, you know, I've played with a lot of great players and, and I get this question a lot. Who's the best player that you played with? And I said, well, the best player that I spent a lot of time around was Austin Ekro. For those people that don't know, I mean, he won the state championship as a freshman, but even before that, we were in high school as like freshmen and juniors and, uh, you know, sophomores in high school. And, and Austin was going out to Oak Tree, just beating our ass day in day out he was one of the most talented young kids of all time so for you to not only have the expectations on you since the time you were eight years old to now make the pga tour was that hard on you to have those expectations and just talk to me a little bit about you know your your journey to the pga tour and now that it's real uh just kind of you know taking a moment to look back and and maybe you know thank some people that helped you along the way oh yeah you know i I have a ton of people to thank throughout the way i mean i've had if I started thinking people would be here all day long. Um, but, you know, I've, I didn't really have the, you know, the typical athlete. I had all these haters, you know, tell me I couldn't do it. I mean, my whole life I basically had, you know, people tell me that I had what it took. You know, I just had to keep my head straight. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, there's a little added pressure with that. You know, I had a lot of expectations um, to get out of here. But, you know, it was a nice, you know, I had a ton of people on my side. Uh, I have a huge family. I have a great support system through that. Um, I have my fiance who's traveled with me a lot. And it's just been, you know, I've been very fortunate with my uh, support crew. And, you know, and everybody tell me and encouraging me all along that, you know, I belong out there. And it's, it's been really fun. Yeah, also speaking of, you know, kind of where you grew up and all that, you know, the course that you played Oak Tree Nationals making some changes recently. And I hear they should yeah. be opening up fairly for too long so what are your thoughts on them going to bermuda greens and everything along the on those streets? and does your course yeah, record yeah, re- still stand i think it'll have an asterisk next to it <laughs> so yeah <laughs> the, uh, there'll be a secondary course record now um you know i'm really excited about the changes being made to, to oak tree for sure um i was a big you know i was pushing the bermuda greens for sure i was you know i think it's something no one's playing golf in december anyways so if the greens are dormant who cares um you know, I think will be nice because I've always had a little bit of a, you know, I struggled just a little bit more on Bermuda greens. I've always had a, you know, I know how to read them and everything, but they are different. And I'm really excited to have that be my everyday play. Um, you know, just to 
getting comfortable on Bermuda greens. You play a lot of them in the professional golf. Um, you know, the Florida swings and stuff like that. It's all Bermuda grass. And um, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I can't wait for it to open back up. Austin, I can tell you one guy, if they put an asterisk by that 61, I'll pull it off. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. 61 out there, uh, whatever green you're putting on, that was one of the most phenomenal scores. Okay, here's here's my last question for you. Are you going to stay in Oklahoma? Yes, yeah. I, I will not leave Oklahoma. I, that's home. You know, I think if, if I start tearing it up, I might get in a condo somewhere in, you know, warmer weather. And uh, But Oklahoma will always be home to me, so I won't be leaving. Good. By the way, you know, to end the show here, obviously trying to get a PGA Tour card is stressful, but so is planning a wedding, and you have a wedding coming up. Yeah. Number one, I mean, how has that been, planning the wedding and what's your involvement in that? And then number two, how did you guys decide to put it on Bedlam weekend? I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, you know, that, that had to be a little bit of a, a, a argument there or something. Oh, yeah. So, luckily, she's in the wedding industry, so I didn't have to do too much planning. So, it's mostly been her. Um, but what's funny is we actually booked or chose the date because Bedlam's never been on this day. You know, it's always <laughs> another weekend. And then they came out with their schedule and it was the same day. So it was, I mean, it, Sally was not quite sure how she was going to handle it. Um, but it's just kind of bad luck, but it is, you know, it is what it is. And the bad thing about it is, is it could be a last Bedlam for a while. Um, but we're going to try to have, you know, if it is at the same time as our wedding, I think we're going to have a, uh, a projector with the game on, maybe. We're, we're talking about doing that. So, I mean, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. But talk about, you know, just to end the show, what Sally has done to, you know, support you throughout all this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, she's really kind of put her career on hold and, you know, traveled with me. And, um, you know, just having someone with you on the road is, is huge. I mean it's a lonely, you know, journey if you're not with anybody, you know, luckily I have Sally and I have Stone, my dad travels some, so it's just been, you know, the support crew is, I mean, everything, and to have Sally along on the, on the road as well. 100% Austin, thank you so much for joining the 73rd hole today. There is no one better in the game of golf than the Eckrope family. I couldn't mm -hmm. be more happy uh, that you made it. Now to the PGA Tour, Austin, congratulations, my guy. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Big, big thank you again to Austin Eckrope for joining the 73rd Hole Podcast, the PGA Tour member Austin Eckrope. And guys, it wasn't just Austin Eckrope from Oklahoma State. It was Sam Stevens as well, the APT legend. Sam Stevens also gets his PGA Tour card. T-Dub, how cool is that for Sam Stevens, a guy that was from Kansas, from Wichita, Kansas, but obviously played a lot of his junior golf on the OJGT in Oklahoma? Oh, it's absolutely awesome. And everyone everyone who's met Sam Stevens says absolutely everything nice to say about him. So and it was really cool to see. I mean, he finished 21st on the list, guys. I mean, he was around some good players. Thomas Dietrich, an, an awesome player on the DP World Tour, he finished 17th. In the settings, Bryce Garnett, Brian Stewart, two guys who've been on the turf forever. Mateus Smith finished right behind him. So, uh, Sam had to play some really good golf to get in. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely awesome. And it'd be really cool to see him and, him and Austin Eckroat uh, get out there and make some moves. A hundred percent. And Woody, I mean, Sam Stevens was on that team that won the national championship at Oklahoma State. He just couldn't crack the top five with the likes of Matt Wolf and Victor Hovland and Austin Eckroat and all those guys. Sam Stevens obviously had, you know, kind of a tough road in college, uh, having, a, having a baby during college and all sorts of things, and, and life kind of hit Sam Stevens early. I, I think it's a really cool, you know, not a comeback story, but just a story of perseverance from Sam Stevens. I agree totally, Sam. And what's funny is, guess what? I was on an Oklahoma State golf team where I couldn't get to the top five, and I worked and worked and worked and got better as a player. And then later in my career, I was able to get out on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, it'd be great if you were on national championship teams. Great. But, you know, I I look for big things out of Sam. I think I think he's going to surprise a lot of people because he's flown under the radar. He he wasn't Matthew Wolf. He wasn't Victor Hovland. He wasn't Austin Eckrode. Yeah, well, we can go through that list of guys up there. Good luck making that team. So, Kudos to Sam. He kept his head down. He kept grinding. And uh, I think he's going to be a really good tour pro. That's just my two cents. 
T-Dub, let me read off the names of the Corn Ferry Tour, the 25. Uh, Will Gordon, David Lingmurth, Austin Eckrote, Philip Knowles, uh, Michael Gligich, who I've played some Fortnite with with Bob, uh, Dean Burmester, Eric Cole, Joseph Bramlett, Austin Cook, Nick Hardy, uh, Henrik Norlander, Ben Martin, Ryan Armour, uh, Nicholas Lindheim, Brent Grant, Carson Young, Thomas Dietrich, Scott Harrington, Tano Goya, uh, Nicholas Ekaviara, who played college golf with Taylor Moore, Sam Stevens, who we just talked about, uh, Matty Smid, uh, let's see, Bryce Garnett, Brian Stewart, and Kyle Westmoreland. Do any names that we haven't talked about stick out to you from that list, T-Dub? Well, the main thing that sticks out to me is, I mean, there's probably – at least 10 or 15 guys that you just listed who I know from just even doing DraftKings lineups. It's like there's like Will Gordon, he was having a, a really good career at one point on the tour. He came out of Vanderbilt, I believe, and uh, it didn't necessarily, he had a few good week stretch on tour that didn't really have a whole lot of mojo going on. But my point being is that, and go down to Austin Cook, Hen- Henrik Norlander, Ben Martin, I mean, these are all guys who have played on tour for a decent amount of time. So I think what one thing I'm taking away from this is, once we go next year to where instead of the top 125 third card, we go to top 70, there's going to be a lot of really, really good players who, who are going to be battling out for their status. So I think from a viewership perspective, it's going to be very entertaining. But it just goes to show to me, Sam, the depth that golf is at now because so many of these guys have, are not just really good players like Austin and, and Sam are, but they're even established tour players which is very, very interesting. Woody, obviously it's very exciting to get your PGA Tour card, but who do you think is in the tougher spot? Is it the rookies coming onto the PGA Tour, or is it the guys that, you know, have had their tour card and had to earn it back? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think it's harder for the rookies because everything's new to them. Most of these rookies that will have not seen any of these golf courses where the tour veteran that got his card back at least will have that advantage. The only thing that you got to look at is once a guy is had to go back he's lost that tour privilege sometimes his confidence is a little off he can look at it two ways he feels like he's a little bit uh maybe behind the eight ball that he's lost a year or lost a step other guys look at it as i've gotten reborn again here i go so i still think it's harder on the rookies simply because it's a lot of travel a lot of new golf courses a lot of places you don't know where to stay yet uh there's just a lot going on, believe it or not. What you see on the weekends on television, it's not what the PGA Tour really is. A hundred percent. Woody, why don't you tell us about our friends at Quail Creek Bank? Well, as always, we're, we're closing in on uh, football season's already started and falls upon us, but doesn't mean you can't look for a new bank or you can't change banks if you're not happy with your one you've got. We always talk about how friendly they are, and that's, I still think the great thing about Quail Creek Bank if you call Monday through Friday, or let me tell you something, from about 8.30 to 5, you're going to talk to somebody. You're going to get to talk to a real-life person. There's no punch a button, do this, do that. If you ever need a loan, they're going to be right there. They're, they literally are like family. If you don't give them a try, I, you know, sorry for your luck, but I, I do believe that if you're looking at a bank or want to change banks, Quail Creek, Northwest 122nd and May Avenue, awesome bank, awesome people. A hundred percent. And I want to let everybody know that the 73rd hole podcast is now available on WWLS, the sports animal app and website. Um, guys, that's a big thing for us. We'll have all of our content throughout the winter from the podcast on the website. So big thank you to Cisco and everybody at the sports animal. Speaking of the sports animal, what they're talking about right now is college football. Did you guys get a chance to watch any college football over the weekend? I went to the OU UTEP game for Brent Venable's first game uh, had a good time. It was hotter than hell, though. T Dub, I was there as well. Saying, yeah, it was it was so hot, and especially there by the second quarter halftime, it just started to beat down. But yeah, watched a lot of college football, and I I can't wait for some more. Don't don't want to get too much into the OU train, but saw some things that could have been improved, some things that that could have been better, but also saw some things that were improved and better. So as a diehard Center fan, I am optimistic for the season going forward. Don't know if I'm quite on the national championship hype bandwagon yet, but we're not too far away. What about your Cowboys, Woody? Well, my, you know, my Cowboys, they, they look like they usually look. They look pretty good at the start of the year. I'm, I don't worry about my Cowboys till later in the year when they, they have those big <laughs> games. Those big games, they tend to let me down a little bit. But uh, I shot some doves this last weekend, so I didn't watch as much football as I should have. But uh, 
it'll get the season's going to get going, and I know it's going to be fun. I, I did have uh, I had to tell you guys a story. Uh, I know we're getting short on time, but uh, we're not short on time. We got time for one last story with Woody. Well, I'm I'm disappointed with you and T Dub, and I'm gonna tell you why. Oh no! <laughs> oh, what no. I do you, this time? You guys, my my wife was listening to our podcast after last week's show when we were on the cheaters. Yeah, and uh, I I guess I needed I was bleak because I you guys got me so irritated <laughs> talking about cheaters, and I got really mad and said some things I shouldn't have on the air, and you had to had to believe it, and she busted my chop. She said, "Woody." You're the adult in that group. What is wrong with you that they had to bleep you? So you two sons of bucks, you got me in trouble, and I want you to know it. Okay? Well, you, hey, you go back and, and what the and, hell did I do? Woody? No, hey, T Dub didn't do anything. You go back and tell her that it wasn't that bad. It was just probably not should have been on air. Well, I, I, that's what I, I told her what I said, and she goes, Woody, you can't say that. <laughs> and I go, well, they got me fired up. They got me talking about that cheater. And I said, I don't like cheaters. I do not like cheaters. And he said, well, you can't do what you said you wanted to do to him. And I go, I know I can't. That's why they had to cut it off. <laughs> oh, so you guys got me stuff. in trouble. Hey, sorry, Karen. We apologize, and it was yeah. not Woody's fault. We How about that? Yeah, it's okay. That's all right. I just want to let you know. Now I'm on probation, so I got to be really careful. Oh, cheaters great is a stuff. subject, Woody. I mean, we, we, we can't – the world would be better without cheaters. That's really the whole point we were trying to say. Well, you know, she said something to me. She said, well, Woody, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I said, don't you start. I, I jumped her little fanny, too. I said, that's bull. <laughs> you should not cheat. <laughs> What do you mean you're not cheating? You're not trying. That is, you're, you'll play those other sports. Golf, we don't cheat. A hundred percent. A hundred percent, guys. Thank you so much for joining the 73rd Old Podcast today with Jim Woodward and Taylor Williams. Big thank you again to Austin Ekro for taking the time today. This has been the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.